0: It's the On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the Leather Collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new Leather Collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at four ninety nine ninety nine dollars 99 and
2: sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft check out the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the On Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisco, along with your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. You know his voice very well. It needs no introduction, but it gets one anyway. Dan Horde with us today. How are you, Dan? Thanks for coming and talking to us.
0: Jake, James, I'm doing great. Really excited about the draft. The countdown is on. We're a little more than three weeks away. Look forward to discussing with you two guys.
3: Yeah, there's a there's a ton to get into. We want to get into the draft. We want to get into free agency. Um, let, let's start here though, because I know Jake wanted to ask you about your your career a little bit. You just uh, finished a tenth season. Is it ten seasons? That's then correct. With the Bengals, okay. So you're you're five and five, five playoffs, <laughs> five non playoffs. What's what's the vibe going into 2021? Are you feeling like it? You're going to break the the, the five and five with a, a playoff run here?
0: It's coming soon. I don't know if it's coming this year, but it is coming soon. I'm very confident in that. I think once you've got the quarterback and the opportunity to build around him, that's when those playoff runs begin. It happened with Andy. It happened with Carson, although Carson's playoff run, unfortunately ended pretty quickly. Uh, but I think that's coming. And uh, you know they got the opportunity in this draft to really build this team around Joe Burrow. And I'm excited about what's to come beginning this year.
1: And we will talk about the draft for sure. But like James said, I do want to talk about you just a little bit to start the show because you have this voice that for me personally has become iconic and, and such an easy association with Cincinnati sports, obviously with the University of Cincinnati and with the Bengals. Your work with laugh is always a pleasure to hear for Bengals games when I'm not trying to do, I don't know if I would call it quite a, a farce. But, you know, I early in the season did some live streaming of my own during the games where I just let them, people that wanted to listen to me talk during the games, overlay my audio with the game. So sorry if I took away from like five listeners or so that might have been <laughs> listening to you instead. But, you know, you've come a long way in in broadcast journalism in, in Cincinnati. And I just wanted to hear, you know, a little bit about how how you got into it, how you kind of took off and what your earliest big break was, because while I do know your more recent career, I've been away from Cincinnati for 10 years. So I don't know your roots as well.
0: Well, Jake, I'm so lucky because I'm not qualified to do anything else. And this is the only thing that I ever wanted to do. So when I came out of the womb, the doctor slapped me on the ass and I said, uh, Infant Dan Horde said, that's 15 yards for unnecessary roughness. So, so uh, I, I knew this is what I wanted to do for as long as I can remember. When I was in high school, I went to the local radio station and basically said, can I mop the floors, take out the garbage, whatever. They gave me the opportunity to read scripture on a show called Radio Chapel. So that was uh, my beginning as a radio broadcaster I went to Syracuse, which has a well-known communication school, obviously, and that was a a huge part of my ability to get into this business, and I've just been really, really lucky. It seems like every few years, sometimes through hard work and sometimes from sheer luck, uh, another opportunity came along that allowed me to climb the totem pole a little bit, and ultimately it led to being the Bengals announcer in 2011, and I hope I I get to do it for a, a long, long time. You still get nervous before games? You get nervous before, you know, anything you go on air anything like that? Do you, do you feel that at all, Dan? I don't. The only time I really get nervous is when I do something that I've never done before. And there aren't too many things at this point that I haven't done. Uh, earlier this year, I was one of the commentators for the College National Madden Championships. So I was calling Madden football from my living room. Uh, on a remote setup. So that was a little bit different. And I was a little bit nervous when that began, but it went away pretty quickly. So it's really just doing something I have never done before.
1: So a lot of nerves coming on the Locked on Bengals podcast today, (laughs) I assume that you've never done before.
0: Well, I have done podcasts before, so I can't say that I'm too nervous about this one.
1: We'll go easy on you either way. And we appreciate you sharing a little bit about the start of your career before we talk about football. And we will talk about football with Dan Hoard as the conversation continues coming up next. Built Bar is the number one protein
3: bar on the planet. We talk about it all the time here on Locked on Bengals because you're trying to get that summer bod, right? You're trying to shed that quarantine 15. And, you know, Built Bar can help you get there. They are the best tasting protein bar. And the best part about them, it's the macros. It's not that they're covered in 100% chocolate because they do taste great. It is the macros with these things. They're protein-packed, high in protein, high in fiber, low in sugar, low calorie, perfect for you. Try out all 18 of their awesome flavors, whether it's the caramel brownie, the cookies and cream, the peanut butter. It doesn't matter what your fancy is. You're going to find something you like at BuiltBar.com. So go there right now and make sure when you're checking out, you use promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your next order again. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Let's 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 talk a little bit about football. You talked to Duke Tobin yesterday. Was it actually yesterday that, that you were in his office, it sounded like? Correct, Monday, yep. Did you get any... Uh... Any body language any any facial expressions that didn't show up on the audio that, that you want to share with uh, share
0: with everybody I wish Duke uh, you know holds his cards pretty close to the vest he so does. it's hard to pick up things other than what he said but I did think there were a couple of interesting takeaways in that interview I tried I I dug trying to get scoops and uh, you know Duke's too smart for that but I thought, to me, one of the most interesting things was his answer about the available free agent offensive linemen that are still out there when he basically said, we're not just looking for guys with names. We're looking for guys better than the guys that we already have. So to me, that said, in his mind, in the Bengals' mind, Trey Tucker is not better than Xavier Suofilo to them. Larry Warford is not better than Xavier Suofilo. I think if you look at the depth chart on the offensive line. Xavier Suofilo is probably the lowest guy who projects as a starter. And if they don't think the guys that are out there are better than him, then there's your answer to why they haven't signed guys like that. I also thought his answer about the possibility of trading down was interesting, basically saying we are not going to be greedy. We like what's available to us at number five. Even if one of those guys is gone, we know one of the other ones will be there and if trading down means we won't get Sewell or Chase or maybe even Pitts, then they're not going to do it.
3: I like that strategy, by the way, because they, they need blue chippers, right? And if you can get this this high end AJ Green replacement or Andrew Whitworth's replacement that they've been desperately lurk- looking for over the past four years, then why not do it? It's not worth all of those picks. I think, you know, and I love the, the idea of trading down and stuff like that. But if they can get one of these blue chippers, why not get them, Dan?
0: So I was initially very much in favor of trading down, but now that it looks like a certainty that the top 3 picks are going to be quarterbacks and maybe even the 4th to Atlanta, now you know you are going to be get you're going to be able to get maybe your choice of all of the 3 hot prospects or certainly 2 out of the 3, as a result I'm no longer in favor of trading down. I like the opportunity to have Sewell or Chase or Pitts, and, and like I said, maybe having your choice of all three.
1: You know, it's interesting because there's this school of thought that says, if you're not taking a quarterback with a top five pick, and you see this from some of the PFF guys in particular this week, it's, it's been said by a few of them, if you're not trading back, you're making a mistake. And the, the rationale there is teams and people that are not employed by NFL teams are generally too confident in their evaluations, and you see top five players bust. You see number one overall picks bust. If, if teams were perfect at evaluating, then trading back becomes a, a bit of a different proposition. So, so I certainly see the, the logic and the argument for trading back. It says that, well, if I can get from New England a future first, a future second, and another second this year, and that would be a bit of a haul, but if you can get that kind of return, you know what what really is a difference between a guy that you think is a blue chipper versus whatever swing you take at fifteen. So so you're convinced though that that these two guys are blue chippers. You're you're in the boat with Duke where you think that the best option is is sitting there and picking one of those one of those
0: guys at five. I certainly feel that way, and part of it is. How far would you have to trade back at this point? Now that right. Carolina is no longer in the mix, now the best case scenario in terms of how high of a pick you could get if you traded down would be number nine with Denver. Denver probably no longer sees competition in trading up to get a quarterback because the teams directly ahead of them no longer need one. So that doesn't seem that likely. I don't want to go all the way down to 15 to the Patriots unless they trade up to get closer. So again, I, I do agree. With the general notion that trading down is smart, I just don't think in this case, considering how far you would likely go, it makes sense anymore. And one other thing to keep in mind, we're only talking about trading down with a fifth overall pick. How about trading down with the sixth pick in the second round or the third round? The Bengals have done that plenty in recent years. And I could see that being a very realistic possibility, particularly with that sixth pick in the second round.
3: I totally agree with that. But, you know, depending on where they go at five, the best player available might be four guys that play the same position, right, where they have similar grades on them. So I I could see them moving down. But uh, one thing you did on the Bengals Booth podcast, Dan, that stood out to me, and I listen to every episode. um, Shout out uh, to that because I love it. Um, you, You broke down and you talked with people, coaches, broadcasters, that were close with Penny Sewell. Same thing with Jamar Chase. Let's start with Sewell. What what stood out about that? What was on the cutting room floor of those interviews about him that uh, that stood out as a prospect and maybe not even football-related uh, about Penny So in your time talking with people that were close to him?
0: Well, from the interviews that appeared in that podcast, I was most impressed when they talked about him, the person. And I mm-hmm. think that really came through. I played his speech from the uh, acceptance of the Outland Trophy, and you could just hear the respect he had for his family and his coaches. And I thought that that was a a real uh, window into his character. But I'm glad you used the, the term cutting room floor, because after that podcast was recorded, one of the interviews that I tried to set up and didn't get came through. And that was his head coach at Oregon, Mario Cristobal. So I'll play that at some point on the podcast, and he was awesome, and there were a couple of things from that conversation with Mario Cristobal that really stood out. Number one, before being the head coach at Oregon, he was an assistant coach at Alabama. He recruited Jonah Williams. So he has tremendous insight into Jonah and Panay and what it would mean to an NFL team to have those two guys as their bookend tackles. And he basically said the Bengals would be set for a decade. Uh, But the other thing that really stood out about Mario Cristobal, the Oregon head coach, is that he played on national championship teams at the University of Miami, those great hurricane teams Mm -hmm. back in the day. Like I said, he was an assistant coach at Alabama during national championship teams Now he's the head coach at Oregon, coached Panay Sewell a couple of years ago uh, when Justin Herbert was the quarterback. So that's a lot of great players that he's been around, right? Between playing at Miami, coaching at Alabama, now head coach at Oregon. He said Panay Sewell is the best football player he has ever been around. Now, you know, that's his guy. I'm sure he's building him up a little bit in front of the draft, but still, that's a pretty strong statement considering all of the great football players he's been around.
3: Yeah, that that's, that's very strong. And, and you're talking about uh, a guy that obviously feels their biggest weakness, right. And a weakness that is, is, is kind of not as not necessarily tackle, but offensive line, you know, whoever he plays is going to make the Bengals better. Let me, uh, let, let me ask you about Jamar chase now, because you did these, the same exact thing. And I encourage those, uh, our listeners to check both of these out on the Bengals booth podcast, but, that, what what stood out about the the people that you talked to about Jamar Chase because uh, after what you just said about Sewell and then listening to to the Jamar Chase interview, I think both fit Zach Taylor's profile here of trying to find really good guys. Uh, but what stood out about Chase?
0: Yeah, so from the interviews I did about Jamar Chase, the thing that stood out most to me was with the voice of the LSU Tigers, Chris Blair, when he talked about those great great wide receivers. And the summer of 10,000 catches, which is something they started back when they had Chase, Jefferson, and Marshall together. That was their goal, to catch 10,000 passes from the uh, spinning tires or the the jugs machine uh, during the summer to improve their hands. They would crank up the velocity and make it tougher and tougher to catch the football. That's a commitment. And you know if a guy with the raw talent of Jamar Chase is willing to put in the time to catch 10,000 footballs during the course of the summer. I did the math. If that was over the course of like three months, be something like 110 catches a day. So I guess when you think of it that way, it's not that crazy, but still that's a commitment to catch 10,000 passes. And I think that's uh, one of the big reasons why he's put himself in position to be the first wide receiver taken this year.
3: It's, it just goes to show why, Fans are where they are right now, where you have the team Chase and the team Sewell. And there's such a, a division, such a split. You, you have more info, at least on the, the background of these guys. Where do you lean? If, if you had to lean personally and Duke Tobin says, hey, take my job, make this pick for me. <laughs> uh, as of today, uh, you know, we still have over three weeks. But where do you lean in this debate?
0: I have been and I remain a card-carrying member of team Sewell. I want the Bengals to get an elite offensive lineman. And I know this offensive line draft appears to be deep, and I'm sure they can get a very solid player if they go for chase in the first round to take an offensive lineman in the second. But what's wrong with getting the best one? What's wrong with getting truly a Willie Anderson, an Andrew Whitworth? I don't even want to say Anthony Munoz because that's a different level, but, you know, Max Montoya, a perennial Pro Bowl type offensive lineman. Do we remember watching the Super Bowl when Patrick Mahomes was running for his life? And even though they have Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he couldn't get him the football. Do we remember week 10 in Washington and seeing that horrible sight of Joe Burrow on the back of a cart Let's fix the line while we're in position to do it. The the wide receiver pool isn't as deep this year as it was a year ago, but I still think there are good wide receivers that will be available in rounds two and three. Let's get the offensive linemen that we have been looking at on video and thinking, Holy cow, look at this guy move. I want to see that player in Bengal stripes this year.
1: I totally get that. But I do want to challenge it just for all of the team chase folks out there that would be asking you some follow up questions. So I'm just going to throw a few of the arguments out and we'll get into that and free agency and the rest of the draft coming up next. Bet online is the fastest, the easiest way to bet on all of your NFL draft props, all of your Reds winning the World Series futures, all of your basketball team of choice. They've got odds for every sport, if you're a hockey person even. They've got odds for the NHL too. They cover awards, reality TV. They've got real-time updated odds. They've got you covered for news and scores as well. It's, of course, BetOnline.ag. And they've got a special offer for our listeners right now. Not only do they have you covered for all your sports betting needs, you can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you sign up right now using promo code LOCKEDON. You can go sign up for free. Again, that's betonline.ag, promo code on. You're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
2: If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: So going back to your argument for Penny Sewell, I will just throw the devil's advocate out there and give you a chance to respond to it. The devil's advocate might say... You know, Carson Palmer in 2005 had a great offensive line in front of him. He got hurt anyway. Andy Dalton, when he broke his thumb, freak play, had a great offensive line in front of him, got hurt anyway. These things just happen in football. And they might also ask you, you know, what's the plan for, for A.J. Green's 110 targets? What would you say to those questions?
0: Well, let's start with the quarterback getting hit portion of that argument. Um, we're not just talking about the hit that ended Joe Burrow's season. We're talking about all the hits that led up to it. I mean, he was, I think, second in the NFL in being sacked at the time of his injury. He was certainly very high in the number of times he was hit. So it's not just the one specific hit that brought his rookie season to an end. It's all the hits that led up to it. And, And let's face it, a lot of us, were like watching these games peering through our fingers, hoping the worst wouldn't happen. And unfortunately it did. Um, Like I said, I don't think the wide receiver group is as deep this year as it was a year ago, but I think you can always get wide receivers in the second and third round. And I I think that that is going to continue to be the case for the uh, unforeseeable future, because it's become such a, passing sport both at the college level and the NFL level and really even the high school level that you are just cranking out more wide receivers than ever before so trust me I will not be heartbroken if they take Jamar Chase and when I look at this wide receiver group I'm a little bit concerned about the profile of some of the guys that are likely to be there in round two because I think you're looking at a lot of slot receivers guys they're a little bit smaller than I would like them to be and Clearly, you've already got a great slot target in Tyler Boyd. So that's a little bit of a concern. But still, I, I don't see myself changing in the next three and a half weeks. I am Team Sewell.
1: You know, I'm of the mind that they could just go straight offensive line. First round offensive line, Penny Sewell. Second round, come back Landon Dickerson or Wyatt Davis or Alex Leatherwood or whoever you like and just do the thing that, you know, Billy Anderson wants him to do, right? Run the ball. just Just run it and and cut Joe's throws by 30%. Have him throw the ball a lot less. I don't think that's in their DNA necessarily, but I I do think that if they do draft Sewell early that they don't come back for wide receiver in the second round. And I'm I'm just curious about this from from your job, the what you do. You have great insight into the Bengals obviously with with how closely you work with them with you know, you were in Duke Tobin's office the other day, which I probably will never do in my life. I might talk to Duke Tobin one day, probably won't be in his office. You you have a level of access that a lot of people don't. And you have a, a, a lot of time that you spend around this team, around the sport. What's your pre-draft process like? Do you watch these guys yourself? Do you, are, are, are you an amateur scout in any ways? Are you trusting people that, that put in that sort of time and effort or or what's your pre-draft process like?
0: Honestly, I read more than I watch, read and study more than I watch. I, I don't consider myself a tape expert. I mean, I love watching football when I'm preparing for games during the season, I'm obviously watching the Bengals opponents. So I have an understanding of those teams, but I really don't feel qualified to watch all 22 and consider myself an expert. I wish I, I could say that, but, but I can't. So I'm talking to as many people as I possibly can. I'm reading as much as I possibly can. I'm looking at the data put out by PFF and people like that. So that's mostly my process, you know, talking to people that know more than I do and then trying to read as much as I can get my hands on.
1: I think that's a really responsible way to go about it. I really respect people that that can identify, you know, there are experts in this field that know more than I do. And I'm going to see what the experts think, because, you know, I'm, I'm not a football GM. So so why would I be necessarily making those decisions? That being said, you, you obviously put a lot of work into this as well. And so I'm just curious. So say Sewell is your guy in the first round, which you said, I like Sewell in the first round. Where do you, are, are there players that you would, that, that are some of your favorites for for day two? Let's just say rounds two and three here.
0: I don't want to box myself into a corner in terms of position, but there are certainly some wide receivers that I'm interested in if they were to fall to the sixth pick in the second round. Like I said, some of the guys that you typically see still available if you do a mock draft simulator or something like that are the smaller Yards after catch slot guys. And, you know, I'd take that guy. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think that really addresses their biggest need. I'd like somebody with a little more size that can stretch the field. You know, you're not going to get AJ green, but somebody more like a younger AJ green. So if Terrace Marshall slips out of the first round and he is still there, that would excite me, uh, Rashad Bateman, I guess, typically isn't still available at that point, but somebody who's, you know, 6'2 or taller with good speed that can give them that downfield threat that can force the safeties to uh, you know, respect that wide receiver. I think that would be a, a big, you know, benefit to this offense. But getting back to what you were suggesting earlier, the idea of taking Panay Sewell in the first round and another great offensive lineman in the second. Hey, if we're going to fix the offensive line, how about fixing it long-term? That'd be good too. One interesting name that
1: I haven't mentioned on this podcast before. I'm not sure if people are, I know some people are familiar with because some people spend more time on this stuff than even I do, but Desmond Fitzpatrick from Louisville does, I think have the size and tested with pretty good straight line athleticism, a guy that, I'm going to certainly be spending some time watching and getting familiar with for maybe day three. Doesn't have the elite production that the Bengals usually like for a premium pick, but a guy that you know I could see them coming back to a little bit later in the draft.
3: Sticking with the offensive line, Dan, uh, as far as fixing it, I think we were so focused on free agency. I know I was a proponent of spending big-time money in free agency and not necessarily on Joe Tooney. Uh, I think the day before free agency, Jake and I agreed – uh, take that too many money and go get two starters instead of spending 15 or even more uh, that he ultimately signed for a million per year with the Chiefs, that five-year, $80 million deal. Were you surprised they didn't add more outside free agents uh, to the offensive line over the past couple of weeks?
0: I wasn't surprised once Moten was franchise tagged and Darrell yeah. Williams re-signed with the Bills. I thought that those were two guys that they were clearly interested in and probably would have taken a serious run at. So once they were no longer available, I was less surprised. Uh, I thought that Kevin Zeitler was a real strong possibility. I think they were close on the money that Baltimore ultimately gave him. The one thing I would say about Kevin Zeitler, if you look at him and what he is able to do at this stage of his career he probably fits the Ravens better than he fits the Bengals I think he's a great pulling run blocker more than just a you know a huge load pass protector in the middle of the offensive line so as much as I like Kevin Zeitler and I would have been happy if they had been able to bring him back I think he probably made the right choice in going to Baltimore.
1: Duke seemed pretty pleased that they were able to spend those resources on the defense after you asked him about the the prioritization of free agency do you think that the funds were well allocated what's your personal opinion did did they do things that are more or less in line with what your offseason plan would have been or, or would you have done things a little bit differently
0: I probably would have done things a little bit differently. But first and foremost, I'm happy that for the second consecutive year, they spent and they spent big. The criticism that the Bengals won't be active in free agency, I think, has pretty much been put to bed, hasn't it? They spent more than $130 last year. Um, I mean, I guess they didn't spend $120 million this year because some of the long-term contracts theoretically might not reach their end. But if you add up the commitments, it's over $120 bucks. So over the course of two seasons, they have been one of the most active teams in the NFL at spending on outside free agents. And as we all know, that's something that they have been hammered for in the past uh, from critics from coast to coast.
3: You think this defense has improved a ton with the the moves they made in free agency
0: for a second straight offseason? I hope so. I think when you add in the guys that were hurt last year, uh, I think then it has. I mean, if you add DJ Reader and Trey Waynes and consider them really part of, you know, this infusion of talent into the defense, then I think there's no question they're better. They'll miss Carl Lawson, I think to a lesser extent. They'll miss Will Jackson. I do think Chidobe Awujae, is Will Jackson. Uh, When I talked to people from Dallas about him, they said he's going to cover his guy well. He's going to create small windows for the quarterback. He's just not going to make a lot of plays on the ball. (laughs) Isn't isn't that Will Jackson to a T? I mean, it's describing him uh, virtually exactly the way I would have described Will Jackson, and he's three years younger and about half the price. Um, I do think Carl Lawson has the potential to be you know, one of the premier pass rushing threats in the NFL, I guess he already is if if you go by hits and pressures as opposed to sacks. Uh, I do think there's an injury risk there. That's probably a, a greater risk than you're going to have with Trey Hendrickson. I think Trey is a naturally bigger bodied guy, and those guys typically tend to get hurt less. So I think that could benefit Cincinnati. Uh, but I do think, you know, strictly in terms of getting to the quarterback, Carl Lawson is probably the superior guy.
3: Last thing from us, Dan, and you've been uh, great with your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, just going back to the draft, there's been a lot of smoke and reports about Joe Burrow and his potential impact on on swing, the the Bengals at that that fifth pick. One, do, do you buy any of
0: that? Do you think he actually hasn't put in two? Do you, do you think he would use it? That doesn't sound like Joe Burrow to me. I mean, the guy great. that you know, we've started to get to know over the past year and I don't know him. Well, I I've never really met him face to face because I couldn't be in the locker room last year because of the pandemic. I did sort of meet him at the combine last year with a group of, you know, 50 others crowded around his spot at the podium, but that doesn't sound like Joe Burrow that he would, you know, make demands. This is the guy I think you should take now. Did they ask him about Jamar chase and try to pick his brain? I'm sure they did. Uh, did he gave Jamara a rave review. Did he give Jamar a rave review? I would imagine he did, but that's a lot different from the way this has been portrayed, that he somehow said, hey, this is the guy I want you to take at number five. That does not sound like Joe Burrow to me. Now, is his preference his former number one target at LSU? Probably, uh, but I, I doubt very much that Joe Burrow would be upset if number 58 from Oregon was lining up in front of him for the next 10 years. There's no doubt about that, right? You can't go wrong. You're getting uh, an
3: offensive lineman or a wide receiver that's going to help number nine out, and I think that's going to make him smile. Uh, you made us smile, Dan, by uh, giving us a ton of time here, and I think our listeners are probably smiling as well. So uh, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, I'm going to tell the story about how uh, I started Locked on Bengals in, uh, in, in a second after we say goodbye to you, but
0: uh, we uh, we really appreciate you coming on. You have taken the ball and run with it beautifully. (laughs) James and Jake, great to be on with you guys. Keep up the great work. Great stuff there from the
3: radio voice of the Bengals, Dan Horde. Make sure you follow him on Twitter because you already are. But if you're not at Dan underscore Horde. and quick 20 second story, I've told this on the podcast before, but Dan Horde is the reason I started hosting Locked on Bengals in 2016 because David Locke, who created the Locked on Podcast Network, was looking for a Bengals host and reached out to Dan Horde because he, he was having a little trouble. And guess what? I had worked with Dan at the radio station at iHeart Cincinnati, and here we are. So if you're new to the podcast, make sure you follow it. And if you've been here, thank you so much for listening. For Jake Lisko, I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast.
2: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.